So this morning we're continuing in the book of Proverbs. We're continuing on to chapter 2 in the book of Proverbs. We'll be reading the entire chapter, but really focusing on verses 1 to 11 of chapter 2. So go ahead and uh, turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 2. Okay. Now, in our text today, we find several conditional sentences. Now, conditional sentences, they present a hypothetical situation and its possible consequences. In other words, if this happens, then this happens. So an example of a conditional sentence would be, if it rains tomorrow, then I will stay home. The condition that we're looking for is rain, right? Rain will determine whether or not I stay home. Another example is, if you don't brush your teeth, then you will get cavities, right? If you don't brush your teeth, that would be the if clause, and um, the result of it, or the result clause, would be getting cavities, Or, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? If you have faith, then you will be saved. The result will be salvation. Now, in Proverbs chapter 1, if you remember last week from verses 20 to 33, Solomon addressed the naive, the fool, and the scoffer. But in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, Solomon makes an appeal to the wise son. And the heart of the message of these verses is also the title of the message this morning, which is the pursuit of wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom. In the first place, the entire chapter is really one continuous section. The first division is found in verses 1 to 11, and that has to deal with the pursuit of wisdom, wherein verses 12 to 22 deals with the protection of wisdom. And so, Lord willing, next week we will see the protection that wisdom affords. Now, in the first division, in verses 1 to 11, Solomon poses several conditional statements. Particularly in verses 1 to 4, we find our if clause. He says in verse 1, if you will receive my words. In verse 3, if you cry out for discernment. In verse 4, if you seek her as silver. Then in verses 5 to 11, we find our result clauses. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. And then, that's in verse 5. And then in verse 9, then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity. And so, the outline for this morning is uh, very simple. Two points. 
two words, actually. The first of which is if, and then the second point is then, right? If then. Remember, again, the overarching theme of these verses, as we will see, is the pursuit of wisdom. The son who will be wise must pursue it. So again, look with me at verse 1. It says, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Solomon, first and foremost, exhorts the wise son to receive his words and commandments. But really, what's important to recognize is that Solomon's words and commandments are actually God's words and commandments. His instructions to the wise son are God's instruction. And therefore, it is authoritative. And so in verse 1, we find the first conditional sentence. Again, my son, if you receive my words. In the first place, if you are to be wise, you must first and foremost be convinced that the word of God is the standard of wisdom and receive it as such. Now, when we think of the philosophical influences of the Western world. We may think of names like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. These are the names that come to mind. And there's no denying that there's much wisdom to be found in their writings, but also errors as well. Same thing that could be said of modern psychology. There is truth that can be found there, but also a lot of lies as well. But the claim that the scriptures make above the collective wisdom of men is that this book is inerrant and infallible. All right? Inerrant, again, when we talk about that, we, means that, we mean that it does not contain any errors. And when we speak of it being infallible, we mean that it cannot err. It is incapable of error. Again, these claims are based on the fact that the Bible are the very words of God. Now, if the Bible is the word of God, and it is, then that means that this book is sufficient. Sufficient for every conceivable human purpose? No, not really. Uh, children, I'm sorry to say, but you still need to keep your math books and your biology books. Uh, the Bible isn't going to teach you algebra, right? It's, it's not sufficient to teach you American history. But it is sufficient to make you wise. It is sufficient for all things necessary for God's glory, man's salvation, faith, and life. And so, which is a better use of time? 
to search for specks of gold dust in a landfill or extracting nuggets from a gold mine? The answer, I hope, is obvious. But what you choose all boils down to whether or not you truly believe that the Bible, the Word of God, is sufficient for life and godliness. Do you confess with your lips that you have a high view of God's word, but then in practice seek wisdom elsewhere? Again, going back to our text, the wise son receives the word. In other words, he lays hold of it and he treasures it because he is fully convinced that the word of God is sufficient says that he treasures the commandments of God. Now, the word treasure in verse 1 means to hide or to store up. It is what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or, as the New King James translates the verse, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I have taken the word of God and buried it in my heart as if it was treasure. Going back to our previous illustration, when you read the word of God and study it and meditate upon it, it's like going back to that gold mine and harvesting the nuggets. As you learn more of the word and do what it says, you are storing up true riches. One commentator puts it like this. Read the book of God as one who sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Like the Bereans, receive it with all readiness. Like the Thessalonians, with reverential faith acknowledging its supreme authority. Hide my commandments with thee. Carry them about with thee as thy choicest treasure for greater security, as thy furniture always at hand for present use. Let the heart be the hiding place. Here let the treasure be covered. Satan can never snatch it thence. Now, going back to verse 2, Solomon continues to instruct the wise son. He says, Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. When we hear God's word, we must be attentive. Now, that word attentive means to hear and pay attention. And so... The LSB translates the verse as follows, to make your ear pay attention to wisdom, incline your heart to discernment. In other words, when wisdom is being spoken, you need to pay attention. When the word of God is preached, do you practice wisdom by hearing the word or folly by tuning out? 
do you hear with the ear as well as with the heart? For Solomon says, incline your heart to understanding. You see, it is with all that is within us that we must give ourselves to hearing and understanding the word of God. With our mind and our affections, we must give ourselves completely to God's word. Now, the word of God is to be accompanied by another means of grace. In verse 3, we read, For if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. Again, we see another one of our conditional clauses. If you cry. You see, last week we saw Lady Wisdom at the, at the city gates, in the market, in the streets. And she was crying out and lifting up her voice. And now we find in these verses that Solomon exhorts the wise son to cry out and lift up his voice. This is prayer. You see, the wise son cries out to God. He will go to God in prayer. The first of which is God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, many years ago, after listening to a series of uh, messages by um, John MacArthur, I found myself being convicted of my sin. I found myself under the burden and weight of sin. And I saw only one answer, only one solution to deliver me from the burden and weight of sin. And that night after listening to those sermons, I was literally on my knees crying out to God, tears streaming from my face. And my prayer wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't super complicated. It wasn't like Shakespearean oration or anything like that. It was, it was simple. It was like the tax, tax collector from Luke 18. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And God heard that prayer. And he answered. I lifted up my voice and I cried out. Again, salvation is not found in reciting a specific set of words. That's, that's magic, right? That's abracadabra. It's not found in some sort of specific action that you have to do. Walk in the aisle, signing a card. No, salvation is found in the God that saves. And so once again, the wise son will cry out to him. He will lift up his voice. For if you have God, you will also have access to God's wisdom. If you cry out because you're thirsty, God doesn't just give you a bottle of water. No, he will dig a well 
so that you have the water, but you also have the source. And so going back to Proverbs chapter 2, the first prayer is, God be merciful to me, the sinner. But for the wise son, this is not the last. The wise son will also cry out for discernment and understanding. Now, discernment and understanding are synonymous terms. They're essentially saying the same thing. And so, if the wise son is to gain understanding, he must not only begin the journey in, in prayer, but he must also persist in it. Again, consider the wise son who is actually Christ. Right? When we think about Christ, what was he often found doing besides praying, besides, excuse me, besides preaching, besides healing? He was found in prayer. Charles Bridges, in his commentary on Proverbs, says this. Study may form a biblical scholar. Prayer puts the heart under a heavenly pupillage and therefore forms the wise and spiritual Christian. The word first comes into the ears, then it enters into the heart. There it is safely hid. Thence rises the cry, the lifting up of the voice in awakened prayer. Every verse read and meditated on furnishes material for prayer. Every text prayed over opens a mine of unsearchable riches with a light from above more clear and full than the most intelligent exposition. David and his son sought this learning, sought this learning upon their knees. And the most matured Christian will, to the end, continue to lift up his voice for a more enlarged knowledge of God. So the wisdom that Solomon speaks of requires diligent study and meditation of God's word. It also requires prayer and it requires effort. Continuing in verse 4, we read, If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. Here we find another one of her if sentences. If you seek her. The her is a reference to wisdom. Again, as a child of God, I have access to God's wisdom, but gaining that wisdom requires effort. It is not a passive activity. I must seek it. Again, one of my children the other day asked me about something called geocaching. And so I went on Google to look it up. And essentially what it is, it's, it's like an uh, outdoor treasure hunt, right? Where you use uh, some sort of GPS or navigational device, and it leads you to a, a container also called a cache. And 
in there you'll find something that somebody left behind and you take that and then you leave something um, in there. That's the, the general idea of it. Now, the treasure that it leads to, quote unquote, is, is not real treasure. But you have to put in the effort of following the navigation system to get to where you're going. Even so, we must put forward effort in following God's roadmap in the word. But at the end of the road, there is real treasure. Again, Bridges puts it this way. Prayer must not stand in the stead of diligence. Let it rather give life and energy to it. Look at the miner, his invincible resolution, his untiring perseverance, seeking, yea, searching for hid treasures. Such must be our standard in searching into the sacred storehouse, leaving nothing untouched that lies before us. To read instead of searching the scriptures is only to skim the surface and gather up a few superficial notions. The rule of success is dig up and down the field. If the search be discouraging, dig again. The patient industry of perusal and reperusal will open the embosomed treasure. Again, wisdom is the treasure that we seek. But wisdom is really a greater knowledge of God himself. For the more that we understand about God and his ways is the way is the more that we ourselves will grow in wisdom. And so if you are to gain a deeper understanding of who we are and how we're supposed to live, we must continue to look to Christ. We must observe his ways and think his thoughts and pattern our life after him. Again, as I mentioned last week, Christ is the very embodiment of wisdom. He is the wisdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians 1.24. Therefore, the psalmist rightly cries out in Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, this is exactly what Solomon says next. And this also leads into point number two, which is then. Then. Again, returning to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 5, we read, Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. If the wise son treasures God's word and prays and seeks wisdom, there will be results. The result is that they will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Again, the fear of the Lord is a concept that we previously discussed, and it is one that we see time and time again throughout the book of Proverbs. It has to do with reverence for God, as well as a healthy fear of the holiness of God. 
Now, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God are often paired together in the book of Proverbs. Again, if you recall, um, when we mentioned Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is synonymous with the knowledge of the Holy One. To fear the Lord, then, in Proverbs 9, 10, means to have a right knowledge of God, of God as he re- reveals himself. He is the Holy One. Now, <clears throat> since moving, um, several, or both of my sons actually have taken a little bit more to the outdoors, and it's important to understand the context in where I come from to have a greater appreciation of that, particularly refer to New York, right? It's not a lot of camping or anything like that uh, that's done. And so one of the things that we did uh, with one son in particular is that we ended up just doing a little bit of camping in the, the front yard. And... Um, Living in uh, Marshville, you don't have as many lights, so you could see the night sky very clearly. You could see the stars, you could see the the constellations, and uh, that was one thing I was uh, struck by as I laid on my back, gazing up at the stars, and just basking in the, the glory of God in creation, and then... Uh, in the the morning, as we as we awoke, as we awoke, I, I took some time to listen to all of the, the 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 birds and the the insects and and all of their the 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 melody that you are hearing uh, from God's creation again. And once again, I thought of the glory of God in creation. I thought of the wisdom of God in creation. Now. In chapter 3, we actually, it actually talks about the wisdom of God in creation. Uh, when we get to there, in Proverbs 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. But the point that I want to make is this. right? Even with all of the wisdom of God cre- that is revealed in creation... It really does pale in comparison to the wisdom of God revealed in special revelation in the scriptures. For it is through the word of God that we see the glory of his moral perfections and his holiness. It is this that instills godly fear. Now, we see once more that God is inseparable from the wisdom that he gives. And though we are called to seek wisdom, notice that it is God who actually gives it. Verse 6, returning again to Proverbs 2, states, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This is God's sovereignty and human responsibility at work once more. 
we see that we are to seek knowledge and understanding from God's word. And yet, it is ultimately the Lord who gives wisdom. And to the wise son who asks for it, he gives it abundantly. Again, I, remember, I remind you of the words of James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God generously gives wisdom to his children. And so going back to verse 7 of chapter 2, Solomon puts it this way. He says, God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. The Lord lavishly pours out good gifts from his heavenly storehouse. From on high, abundant wisdom is reserved for his righteous ones. It's theirs. But not only is wisdom stored up for the upright, but also the protection that wisdom affords. Verse 7 continues, He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now, we need protection because there, there is real danger. They are physical and spiritual dangers that abound in a fallen world. But as one commentator notes, though our path indeed is fraught with danger, beset with temptation, yet it is safe, kept and preserved by almighty power, so that the way of his saints, even on the very edge of the enemy's ground, is guarded from deadly ill. Again, I think of the words of the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. It says, fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Again, God protects his children. Why then should we fear? For nothing should befall us except what he ordains. Again, think back to last month as we were going through the book of Job. Think back to what Satan says to God in Job chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Again, God protects his children. He is the one that keeps us. He is the one who preserves us and causes us to remain on the path of righteousness. Now in verse 8 in Proverbs, it states it this way. God is the one guarding the paths of justice 
and he preserves the way of his godly ones. And so, there is no boasting that could be found in the efforts of the wise son. For it all depends on God. He is the one who preserves his saints until the end. Again, why is it that the saints persevere? It is because they are preserved by God. And why, again, is it that we endure until the end? It is, again, a work of God. God's perseverance causes, or God's preservation, rather, causes the saint to persevere. Now, moving on to verse 9, we see our second result clause. The text says, Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. If you recall, this verse harkens back to Proverbs chapter 1 verse 3. In Proverbs chapter 1 verse 3, if you remember, we are presented with the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. The idea, once more, is that the wisdom contained in the book of Proverbs is practical. It is wisdom that results in wise behavior. And that wise behavior is defined by the words righteousness, justice, and equity, or in other words, fairness. Again, the wisdom of Proverbs deals with what is right, what is just, and what is fair in the sight of God. And so if we treasure the word and pray and seek wisdom, then we will discern righteousness, justice, and equity. Wisdom will enter the heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to the soul. In other words, when wisdom is at home in your heart, you will long for more wisdom Because it is desirable. So as the psalmist says of the word of God in Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Again, that righteous man Job says in the 23rd chapter. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And Peter in 1 Peter 2 2 says, Like newborn babes, long for the milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Again, Is God and God's wisdom pleasant to your soul? It will be if you are a wise son. Now, not only is God's wisdom pleasant to the soul, but it is a guard over it as well. 
Solomon continues in verse 11. He says, discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. First, notice that discretion will guard us. Now, this word discretion here carries with it the idea of reflection, consideration, or thoughtfulness. It is also translated as good counsel. It is good counsel that avoids danger and gives protection. It is understanding that watches over us. In other words, we receive double protection. There is protection that God provides to his wise children, and there is also protection that comes through the practice of wisdom. And this is necessary, as we will see, to guard against the many dangers listed in verses 12 to 22. And so, Next time, Lord willing, we will conclude the chapter by considering the protection of wisdom. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you are the only wise God and that you abundantly give wisdom to your children. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to go to you, the source of wisdom, that everything else would be subordinate to your word, that we would diligently seek a greater knowledge of you in the word of God, that we would seek to grow in our understanding of who you are and the, the fear of the Lord. We thank you that you have not only uh, revealed yourself in general revelation, as, as glorious as that is, but we also thank you that you have spoken, and you have spoken authoritatively in your word. And your word is indeed sufficient. It is all that we need for a right knowledge of you and ourselves and life and faith and godliness. And so I pray again, Lord, that as your people, that we would diligently apply ourselves to the study of Scripture, to the meditation of Scripture, to praying and seeking your face. Pray once again that your Holy Spirit would stir up in us fresh vigor to go back to the water of life, to the words of life. That even as we contemplate how men of old described the word of God and and what it was like and try to give a sense of that, like food, like water, like honey, I pray indeed that those things would be true of us this day. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.